Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Horse.com's Ask the Vet Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of the Horse.com. Tonight's topic I'm really excited about, and it is, why does my horse do do that? Uh, And it is brought to you by exclusively equine.com. So as the, the title suggests we're going to be talking about horse behavior tonight and we're joined by our expert who I'm also very excited to have with us. Uh, We have equine behaviorist Dr. Sue McDonald who is with uh, University of Pennsylvania's New Bolton Center. Dr. McDonald, welcome. Thank you. Good evening. So we have a ton of questions, um, and I I know that you've been reading through them. We have a lot of ground to cover, but can you start out by telling us a little bit about what it means to be an equine behaviorist and the work that you do at New Bolton? Yes, uh, an equine behaviorist is uh, trained in um, why and how animals uh, do various natural and unnatural, wanted and unwanted behaviors. Um, People in animal behavior work in industry, looking after research animals, and uh, they work in zoos. Um, They work with veterinarians, working with problem behaviors, um, just with with just about every species. Here at New Bolton Center, um, I'm principally doing research, um, but everyone here does some teaching and some clinical work as well. And over the years, I've moved um, into more general clinical work. My my research work is principally reproductive behavior, um, but uh, we've even in the research we've moved into all areas of of horse behavior over the thirty some years that I've been here. And why is it important for horse owners and for the veterinarians, for that matter, to understand horse behavior and why our horses do certain things? Well, I, I, it, for one thing, it's just really interesting when you have a close relationship with an animal to understand why it is doing things. But beyond that, um, very often when it comes to a behavior that say, an unwanted or undesirable behavior, it's very important to understand what the different root causes can be. Uh, it becomes a welfare issue, for example, if that behavior is misinterpreted as, you know, the animal has bad intentions or, you know, it's just trying to get your goat when, in fact, it has something physically bothering it or or psychologically bothering it that, that uh, you know, it can't help itself. So... Uh, I think it's really important to, to uh, try to get as much understanding of, of why our animals do what they do as possible for, for a welfare reason. Okay. So everyone who is listening live, uh, this live event is an hour long. We received uh, hundreds of questions, about 400 questions from everyone during registration, and we've read through all of your questions. Uh, we've tried to pick out questions along different themes about horse behavior. Uh, so if we don't get to your specific question, hang on and listen, because if you had a question about pawing or if you had a question about uh, your horse licking or your horse doing all sorts of things that our horses do, and my horses do them too, um, we likely will get to a question that's at least similar to to what your horse does. Uh, if you are listening live and you have a question or a follow-up question, you can enter your question into the console in front of you in your browser. Uh, we have our uh, managing editor, Alex Beckstedt, is reading those as they come in and sending them my way for Dr. McDonald to answer. So let's go ahead and get started because, like I said, it's only an hour and we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, so we're going to start with a question from Julie, and she... Uh, contacted us from Canada and she has a horse that she says is very laid back and calm and he's a very nice hunter and he's been successful on the A circuit for the past six years. She said his quirk is that he acts really spooky at the jumps and needs a lot of confidence from his rider. She says she doesn't understand because he's never crashed or had a bad experience over fences. For the level that he's at, she feels like he should go about his job and know what he's doing and do it well. Why does he act spooky? And 
she does want to note also that she has had his eyes checked, so they don't believe that there's a vision issue. So, Dr. McDonald, what could be going on with this horse that is experienced over fences but acting spooky? Well, first of all, I'd congratulate Julie for being on the right track with starting to look at things physically that could be bothering him um, and something specific to the jumping, if he's doing well on uh, all other aspects of his work and it's just specific to the jumping. Um, and sometimes these things are a little bit difficult to diagnose, so um, I would put as much effort and resources into ruling out any sorts of physical things, not just eyes. But, for example, if he has a minor uh, lameness issue that is particularly uh, uncomfortable when he's landing or taking any aspect of the jump, the horse can actually come to anticipate those and be anxious. But I would also, this question reminds me, and I'm not, Julie, if you're listening or if you get this answer, I, I don't mean that this is specific to your situation, Unnecessarily, but I'm reminded of some research that um, is uh, pretty cool in that um, the rider, if the rider is at all anxious, the horse becomes anxious. And this, this becomes a vicious cycle when you have a horse that is getting spooky just before the jump. You're going to be anticipating that. And uh, so it does take a very cool rider um, who can overcome that and not send signals. There was research done in which um, riders were, these were expert riders, and they were either told that there, was, there may be something startling happening somewhere on the jumping circuit or not. It, they, it may or may not happen. Of course, the horse didn't understand, you know, that the rider was told this, but they put heart rate monitors on the rider and the horse and those riders who were anticipating a, a startling event, their heart rate went up, and so did the horses. So um, we all know this, that we, we, it's a great relationship with the horse, and if they're nervous, it makes us nervous and vice versa. Um, but I would, uh, I would think about that as, as one contributing factor. It's very hard to avoid in a, in a scenario like this. Yeah, and it's it's hard if you are someone who's showing, uh, you know, lots of times we do get a, lot, a little nervous <laughs> when we're going into yeah. the ring. <laughs> so. And with good reason if your horse is spooky going into jump. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a vicious cycle. Um, well, hopefully that helps Julie and, and some other people who are listening. Um, our next question is from Susan in Maine. And I love this question because I have a horse that does the same thing. And uh, Sue from... Uh, listening to some of your lectures and reading some of the work that that you've done, I've really wanted to get my horses where they can live together um, because it makes them happier. <laughs> um, but my horse always eats the other horse's tails, which doesn't make me happy at all. So Susan says that she has a two-and-a-half-year-old gelding who likes to chew and pull on her year-and-a-half of filly's tail. Why does he do this, and how does she get him to stop? So why they do that, um, I imagine there are some horses out there that just find this entertaining. But again, the first thing I would do with a horse like this is have a real good look at nutrition and see if there's any uh, minor things missing in the diet that the horse may be trying to compensate for by chewing on tails. Um, in the meantime, if you don't want it... Um, People either like uh, muzzles or they don't, but a grazing muzzle, that um, just one of those little uh, rubber and nylon webbing um, muzzles that you would put on uh, to keep your pony from getting too fat, um, you can uh, modify it so that the opening in the bottom is wider, but they can't actually get a hold of the tail. And some horses um, kind of give it up, even if, if they... Um, might have a nutritional issue and um, you would think that they would go back to it after some time. Um, sometimes just putting the muzzle on for a few months, they, they get out of that mode. So that's what I would do in the meantime. Okay. Um, our next question is from Barbara in Long Island, New York. And Barbara said, asks, why does my horse let other 
horses push him around. He's in a field with five other geldings, and he's the low man on the totem pole. He seems content most of the time. I think it bothers me more than it bothers him. Do you run into that a lot, Sue, when you're talking to people? Yes, and in fact, in my little pasture right outside my house, I have um, my favorite um, horse uh, is the Connemara Pony, and he is the low man on the totem pole, and it does make me feel bad, and he doesn't seem to mind it at all. So <laughs> I can uh, sympathize with Barbara. Um, horses, I mean, this is just any group that you have, almost any group, you're going to have have this order and you're going to have the ones who sort of bully. These things are exacerbated by the fact that we, you know, tend to feed them um, infrequent, highly palatable meals rather than when they're, you know, horses that are out in natural social groups on natural forage, you don't see this so much. So I think part of how we manage horses um, makes it a little more conspicuous. Um, but as long as they have enough room and can get away and give the signal of submission, um, Barbara, you and I just have to learn to live with it, I think, and, and accept that it's horse culture, just as it is with, with any of our other pets, really. When we have groups of, of pets, there's always the top dogs and the, and the low men on the totem pole. Okay. Our next question is from Tony in Langley, British Columbia. And this question, so we recently on thehorse.com did a poll about horses and their whiskers, and we had about 1,700 people respond to that, a lot of thoughts and opinions on horse whiskers. So, Dr. McDonald, Tony wants to know, do horses need their whiskers? Lots of times on show horses, we shave them. Sometimes uh, some people don't shave their horse's whiskers. Is there a right or a wrong? Well, as Tony had, I think she had a recall in her question, she asked if it, or she hadn't seen any research on this and, and wondered if I had. I don't know of any research on uh, whiskers in horses per se, so I think it's just everybody's personal opinion. And my, my personal opinion, I, in graduate school, I had to do uh, work in neuroscience in which we um, measured brain activity in response to touching various parts of the animals. And, for example, it, these were cats, uh, anesthetized cats in, back then. And uh, um, when we would touch their whiskers, a very large part of their brain would light up, so to speak. And uh, it really impressed me of how I had never really thought about how important whiskers were. And so I personally don't like to see horses' whiskers cut, um, but it's, it's just a personal opinion, and in the absence of research, I don't, I don't know how horses' brains and their whiskers connect compared to that of cats, um, probably because cats are so active at night compared to day, and they, you know, um, go around in tight spots. Those whiskers, are, you could argue they're more important to the cat than they are to the, how, the horse, but... Uh, um, I, I don't even like the idea of cutting a whisker. Okay. Um, so our next question is from Lori in Virginia, and it's an, about a horse that acted, acted aggressively. She says, there was a six-year-old horse where I ride who ran at someone in the field with its ears laid back and its teeth bared. The person ran from the horse to avoid getting hurt. Why would the horse do this to this person? Well, gee, I wish I had more information about about the horse. Um, for example, if if it were a, a male, um, sometimes, and there were other horses in the pasture, sometimes um, horses do that in what appears to be uh, sort of guarding the rest of the horses, and it's usually a male, but sometimes even a female will, will do that. Another uh, time that I've seen that is in the context of... Um, food-related aggression, and um, we've probably, all of us had instances where the horse was sort of uh, coming at us aggressively uh, to get the feed bucket, and uh, so I'd need to know a little bit more about that that situation, but uh, if, if they could uh, duplicate it and video it, uh, do that safely, 
um, uh, a behavior to probably give them some insight into why the horse is doing it and more importantly how to avoid that because that's a really, even if you don't get hurt, that's, that's something you don't forget when a horse comes after you like that. Yeah, and that's hard when you're in a boarding situation and all the horses belong to different people and you're trying to interact or go catch your horse. And um, Yeah. So hopefully everyone stays safe with that horse and, and they, they get that figured out. Um, we have a question that's come in from our live audience and it's from Melissa in Kansas. And Melissa wants to know, is pawing and pounding the ground before mealtime simply a sign of impatience on a horse? Can you tell us a little bit about pawing at mealtime? Sure. Um, that's, that's called a thwarted goal situation when a horse uh, is, is anticipating something or anyone is anticipating, but they can't actually make forward progress. It's sort of out of their hands, so to speak. They just have to wait for us to get there. And in, um, they typically paw, but in, in a horse... Um, Pawing in relation to feeding or uh, water, um, if they were thirsty, has evolved as a really good thing to do, right? Because if, if the grass is covered or the forage is covered with snow and they paw, they get to the feed. If the water is frozen and they paw, they're more likely to get to, to running water. And um, so it's just a natural behavior and it's a thwarted goal. And I suppose you could say it's impatience, but I, I, I don't conceive of it as quite impatience. It, it's really just a, a meaningful behavior. And so um, some horses will even continue when we feed them these highly these small, or I should say infrequent, highly palatable meals, which is not natural for a horse. Um, they get more urgent. And, and do that. Someone will even continue to paw while while their feet is in front of them, um, and, and we just see it as uh, an unfortunate uh, manifestation of natural behavior under suboptimal domestic conditions that we provide horses. And so I have three horses that all paw at meal time, and I've wondered: Am I rewarding them for that behavior by feeding them? Is it? A, a perpetual That's cycle, a really or good just... point, Michelle. Because what do you do? I mean, you, I mean, the behaviorist uh, would tell you um, if you want to reduce that behavior that you wait until they stop pawing to give it to them. But how many of us can stand there and wait? <laughs> it's it's so hard to uh, to reduce that behavior because we are. You're you're absolutely right. It's it's rewarding it by going ahead and giving them the feed. Um, also, many people think like, you know, they stand there and yell at them to stop. And that's an interesting thing about horse behavior that most times yelling at a horse is basically saying, do it again, do it again. <laughs> because a horse is in what's called a learned helplessness state. They are, um, psychologists have studied this for years in rats and, and um, other laboratory animals as a model for human behavior problems and and uh, when, when you're in a situation where you can't do much about anything, you just have to wait for somebody else to, like a prisoner, someone else to bring the dinner, um, you, you develop these, these behaviors that, um, and, and if, if somebody yells at you, that's actually more rewarding um, than punishing. And uh, so you might, it might interrupt it momentarily, but it's basically saying, do it again, do it again. That's really interesting. And, you know, when it's 10 degrees out there, I'm in a big hurry to get those <laughs> those highly palatable meals in front of my horses. So do you have any suggestions? Because you've, you've mentioned that a couple of times, these um, highly palatable small meals that aren't natural for our horses. Do you have a preferred way that you would recommend feeding horses? Well, if they can have uh, free access, you know, 24-7 forage, you'll reduce the likelihood of a lot of these behaviors. Number one, they won't have an empty belly. And an empty belly for a horse is really very uncomfortable because they're trickle feeders. They're meant to have something moving through their digestive tract all the time. That's probably why we have so many problems with colic and, and all the other digestive ailments. Most horses that are fed just twice a day will have 
some degree of gastric ulcers, which are very uncomfortable. And as they start to anticipate feeding and the juices start flowing, um, they're even more uncomfortable. So many times pawing and mild colic behavior around feeding time is a pretty good indication that they have gastric ulcers severe enough that, that they should be diagnosed and treated. Uh, our next question is related to stall management, and this is from Gloria in New York, and she asks, why does my 20-year-old mare walk in her stall in circles all the time? By the morning, the middle of her stall is down to the rubber mats, and the shavings are banked around the edges of the stall. Well, um, there are many reasons that horses might walk in their stall, and Again, I'd need more specific information to answer the question specific to Gloria's horse, but uh, we can give some examples of why horses walk. Um, one thing that I, I like to tell people right off the bat is that horses under natural social conditions and out on their own walk a lot. They walk at least 10 miles a day just foraging because they take a few bites, take a few steps, and that's important to their digestion particularly and so some horses may be walking in their stall just to sort of simulate um, more natural behavior. It sounds crazy but that that's a plausible explanation for some of it. Many of them are stressed socially. Um, they, they are in a thwarted goal situation where they want to be with other horses uh, close contact with other horses but can't and they, they just sort of, you know, walk it out, so to speak. Um, those are probably the two main reasons. Um, and they, they, it can become a stereotypy. Um, when they do walk, it releases endorphins and so they can sort of become, um, you know, sort of addicted to walking, much the way many of us do. <laughs> I have um, a gelding, he's my hard keeper, and he's not in a stall, but he eats, he takes a bite, and then he walks around his paddock, and then he'll come back, he'll eat, and he walks mm -hmm. away, and he drives me crazy, because I'm like, you just need to eat, you're a hard keeper, so uh, what I'm hearing is that maybe that's normal and healthy for him to be moving around while he's eating. <laughs> yeah, it is, unfortunately, and um, you know, it's hard to spread the hay out far enough, but one thing I do for for uh, Stall walkers, uh, you can sometimes improve it by just putting a flake of hay on each uh, wall of the the four walls of the stall, and they will take a couple bites at one flake and then take a couple steps to the next. And if you look at that on fast forward and put that beside horses grazing at pasture at fast forward, um, it looks very much like the natural pattern of moving while they're eating and. There's a lot of work been done, particularly in Scotland, on how important it is for grazing animals that have evolved as grazers that they do move while they're eating. So, um, you know, we don't realize that and we put their hay in, in a hay bunk or in, in one particular spot and we force them to stand still. But if you do um, set up the stall or, or the paddock with multiple piles, um, they may look a little goofy doing that, but they're actually looking much more natural. Oh, Sue, it's going to take me longer to feed my horses now <laughs> in that 10 degree weather. <laughs> Multiple piles. <laughs> I, Wait oh, until I, they stop pawing. <laughs> oh, I spend all day with these horses. <laughs> oh. oh um, our next question is from our live audience, uh, Dustin in Colorado. Uh, says that he has a mare that will sometimes act like another mare in the herd is a stallion and will show signs to her as if she were a stallion. What causes mares to do this with each other? Can you say that again? So he has a mare who will act like other mares in his in the herd are stallions and will oh, show okay. signs. And, and he's not specific about the signs, but... Um, okay. But it sounds to me like the mare's showing like she wants to be bred or wants to interact with the, the mares as if they're stallions. Right. The, um, 
Now, the, this, this one there, is she acting like the male or she's acting as if the others are males? She's acting like the others are males. Hmm. So, it could be just that, I suppose. I, I haven't seen much of that. Um, so, it's a little bit hard for me to picture it, but, but it could be just what he's thinking that she is in estrus and there is no stallion and she's approaching them, showing signs of estrus to them. Is, is, is that what you're reading into it, Michelle? That, that's what I am. And, yeah. And, yeah. and Dustin, if you're listening and you want to follow up with some more details about your mayor's behavior, uh, we can share that with Dr. McDonald and, yeah. and see if we can come up with an answer for you. So, Dr. McDonald, is it typical for mayors to act like stallions with other mayors? No, it's not typical. And so if it, if it were a mayor that was showing signs of stallion-like behavior, then um, that's something that needs to be followed up with by a reproduction specialist because there are some conditions um, that a mayor can produce abnormal levels of male hormones and they will start acting like a stallion. And that's something that should be addressed um, and, and often can be um, corrected um, it, it's sometimes a uh, hormone-producing tumor, not a cancerous tumor, but just one that produces excess male hormones, and it can be removed, and the behavior will go back to normal. So that's something, um, but I, I don't think that's what Dustin, I think Dustin was thinking, his, his mayor was thinking the other mayors were stallions. Okay. Well, just as sometimes mayors, they, some mayors show extreme estrus where they'll even show estrus to people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they'll kind of lean into you and they'll, you know, they'll show subtle signs of estrus when you're grooming them when they're in estrus. Okay. Uh, well, we'll wait and see if Dustin has more details. Um, All right. And we have another question from our live audience, and this is from Melanie, and she wants to know, why does my horse lip at my hair whenever I bend down? So when she's brushing him or picking out his hooves, if he gets opportunity, he'll put his lips on her hair. What's that about? Some horses actually respond, when we're grooming them, they respond to us like they would to a herd mate with mutual grooming. So that's had that happened to me sometimes and sometimes it is your hair that they go for but often they'll just even on your you know your shirt sleeve or or even your pant leg they'll they'll uh, try to mutual it's called mutual grooming when two horses do it and uh it can look very much like that sometimes when when they're doing so that's what i picture is is happening with that situation if you have a horse that wants to try to mutually groom you, is that something that's safe to allow them to do? Is it something that you should allow them to do, or is that undesirable to have them do to a human? Well, here again is a personal judgment call. I don't like to do it because sometimes they will start, They actually when they mutual groom, they kind of nip a little bit at the, at the hair, and they can, it can really be a, one of those pinching nips. And uh, I don't like to encourage a horse to do that even though it gives you a warm fuzzy feeling I suppose but I think it's likely to be dangerous particularly if it were with somebody who wasn't expecting it and uh you know were or, or didn't have good clothing on that would would protect them if they got a good nip we have another grooming-related question, and it's from Kim in Connecticut. And she says that she has an 8-year-old gelding who is always licking his lips and sticking out his tongue at her, especially when she is grooming him. She says she assumes that this is some kind of indico- indicator that he likes being groomed, but who knows? Do you have any thoughts about uh, why he is licking his lips and sticking out his tongue during grooming? Yeah, the way I picture... Kim's uh, scenario is that uh, I think she's on the right track that he really does like it. Just like when you scratch the rump on a, on a young foal and they, they almost, you know, they make a little grimace and, and move their lips like, ooh, that feels really good. So I'm, I'm picturing that that's what it is. Um, another, another time horses lick their lips um, and extend their tongue is when they are 
when they've had some sort of discomfort or startle or sudden increase in level of arousal and then they quiet down after that. That's called uh, the resolution phase of, um, of a sympathetic surge. In other words, when you have a, some sort of uh, abrupt uh, startle or discomfort that gets your attention and then you start to calm down back to the parasympathetic uh, nervous system taking over, it's just an automatic thing that you salivate so you lick your lips and you extend your tongue. Hmm. Um, uh, it could be it could be that, but I, I think it's probably more likely what uh, uh, Kim thought that it was that he really likes it. <laughs> okay. We have a question from our live audience. Uh, Carly in Ohio says she has a yearling filly and a 15-year-old mare that have been together for about two months now, and they still can't seem to stand each other. Uh, She said they're biting and kicking at each other. Will horses who are like this learn to eventually get along? Well, um, I don't know how long it would take whether you can wait it out, but, you know, and that's always the hard question. Um, Most do eventually, especially have to have enough space to get away from each other when they want to get away. When it's, it's, when it's such a young horse and a mature horse, I'm wondering if it's, if it's play fighting, uh, play bickering, or if they really really are frankly unhappy with one another. So again, it'd be good to actually see it. Um, it wouldn't be the first time that somebody was really concerned about fighting when it really was just play behavior, especially with the juvenile. Are there any indicators that you might see while you're watching them that would distinguish between play fighting and actual, we don't like each other fighting? Yeah, um, for the most part, I mean, when you look at it, it 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 has sort of a playful sparring um, aspect to it. It can sometimes go just like with you know kids playing; they can go too far and go over the edge into fighting at times. But um, it, it it should have a, a more a playful. Uh, character to it when you look at it, even though that it kind of goes on and on and they can kind of hoot and holler um, while doing it. Um, but uh, if, if she's not familiar with play in a horse, she might, you know, talk or have some people look at it or video it and have, have some people look at it and see what they think. We have a question from Karen in Missouri, and Karen wants to know, why does my horse pin his ears at me when I approach him in his stall? Well, there, it, there could be many reasons. Um, some horses that are, uh, have food-related aggression, again, because we feed them these, these meals, they can start to develop that whenever we enter the stall. I have a feeling, though, that it's not just it's feeding time. Um, so I'd be wondering what he doesn't like about her or, you know, her coming into the stall. Um, again, it'd be a really good, good one to, to actually, if she could safely get a, get a video of it and have a behaviorist look at it and give her an opinion. Cause there's so many reasons that, that that could be. Um, Our next question is from Joyce in New Hampshire, and Joyce says that we just got a new horse. My Morgan Gelling has done nothing but lick him. There's no fighting, no running. Uh, No one seems to be the head of the herd. They have three horses. The other horse will stomp his feet once it's all over. What is all the licking about? Licking? Boy, this... Uh, this is a new one by me in this, this particular scenario, but um, whenever horses are licking excessively on objects or on on beings, either other horses or on people, um, I like to have a nutritionist um, look at, at the situation and see if there might be something. I mean, people often say fault, but there are other things that 
that the horse or we would have on us that um, the horse might um, find desirable to lick or usually because there's some sort of a, a nutritional need there. Okay. We have a question from our live audience. Uh, Cindy in Michigan says that her horse tries to kill other animals when they come into the corral, and she's saying that it's goats, chickens, or cats. Why does the horse do this, and what can I do to stop this behavior? And this makes me think of yesterday when I was playing fetch with my uh, healer and accidentally threw his toy in with my uh, two-year-old filly, and she went after him, (laughs) and I felt very (laughs) bad about it. Um, Good lesson for my healer not to be in the the paddock, even if his toy's in there, Um, but why, why do horses go after animals when they're in their space? Yeah, um, because they're protecting themselves. And it's kind of interesting to me um, when you think about the horse um, and how we keep them, that they, they acclimate so well and usually don't do this. So when you find a horse that has this um, propensity, um, I, I don't really know what to suggest to do about it other than to keep animals, small animals, out of uh, their enclosure. Um, if it were a larger enclosure, they would probably move away from it before they would kill it. Um, it's usually when they're in a small space that, you know, they don't have many options when they're um, afraid of something but to kill it. Okay. I've also known some or known stories or people have told me of horses that went beyond from, you know, it, it didn't look like they were actually still fearful of it, but it went to the point where they were, they had done it so often that it was almost like a game with them and, and they didn't even seem all that bothered. They just, you know, killed, killed whatever came in their paddock. And uh, I don't know how to stop it. Uh, well, I've definitely had my horses go after the dogs, like I mentioned, but I've never had them go after my chickens, so that's a new one for me. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe years ago, um, we with the, with the horse um, magazine, um, we had some questions on this, this topic, and we did a little survey of your readership. This must be 10 or 15 years ago, and it was amazing, the stories um, of, of horses uh killing and eating, <laughs> ingesting what they killed, which was, was kind of interesting too, that they, they would either take a bite out of a chicken or, or um, even consume the whole chicken, which is pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that might be something to um, reach out to our readers again and to see what kind of stories we get because, wow, these horses, they sure are, they really are interesting. Um, we have a question, um, let me see who this was from. It's from Sylvia in North Carolina, and she said that her horse occasionally pops his lips, usually when she's cinching him up. She said she's really slow and careful when she's girthing her horse, mm-hmm. but that he seems like he's expressing displeasure. So she's wondering what's going on. Is it a warning? Is it unhappiness? Is it disrespect of her? Or is it nothing at all? What What are your thoughts, Dr. McDonald? Yeah, when I see that, I usually, it's usually they're uncomfortable. And um, sometimes there can be something going on with the horse that makes it more uncomfortable. But, but I've known horses that did this sort of behavior that we, in the end, concluded that they just really didn't like that. And uh, probably it's best, again, to just ignore it and not to, to, you know, try to verbally um, punish them or to, you know, try to interrupt it. Just, just ignore it and go on through it um, if you're pretty sure there's, there's nothing um, truly, you know, painful about it. Um, but, uh, it is, again, I often in these behaviors think, why don't more horses do this when we do these things to them that most of them um, do pretty well with it and when we occasionally get one that, that has this sort of response, uh, probably best to, to just ignore it. Okay. 
Um, we have a follow-up from Dustin, and Dustin's the one who had the mayor who was oh, um, showing <laughs> herself to other mayors. So Dustin said specifically it's to one other mayor, so her mayor will go up to this other mayor and when she's in estrus or will act like she's in mm-hmm. estrus, she'll sniff the other mayor, she'll squeal, she'll turn and urinate, uh, she'll stand there like she's ready to be bred by the other mayor, and that she's never done this actually with any of the other mayors, just this one in particular. Um, she said, or Dustin said that he used to work at a breeding facility and he had never seen this kind of behavior in any other horses. Uh, any thoughts or is this a stumper? No, I would I would just say um, that she's probably just a really shows really strong estrus, and in the absence of a stallion, um, she's showing that to a to another mare herdmate. The other thing I'd be curious about was how how the how the uh, target mare um, responds because perhaps that is a mare that needs to be checked out to see if she has any stallion like. Um, you know, any issues going on with her hormone issues that could cause her to be perceived by this mare as uh, a stallion. Mm -hmm. That is really interesting. So maybe like the canary in the coal mine pointing out that something's going on with this other horse. (laughs) So, well, Dustin, thank you for following up with us on that um, interesting question. Um, We have a question from Lynn in Reno, Nevada, and she has a 10-year-old quarter horse Peruvian mare cross who has a behavior when she's not getting enough exercise or attention or stimulation. And she said that the mare will bite the galvanized pipes in her stall panel hard enough to actually collapse the pipe, uh, which... She's really chomping down to do that. Um, it seems like it would be uncomfortable or painful for the mayor to do that, and it's definitely destructive. And, Lynn, that's also expensive <laughs> to have your horse biting <laughs> on your panels and having to replace those. Um, what would be causing her to do this to her stall panels? Well, if it's, if it's really that tightly linked to not getting enough exercise, um, you know, it, it could be uh, akin to psychopathology of, you know, being penned up and not being able to get out and exercise. I mean, it could be an extreme case of, of being stall-bound. I mean, you will get some horses that you know, they usually do more locomotor behavior rather than oral, oral, uh, extreme oral behavior. But, um, you know, that would be my guess without, without seeing, um, you know, what else the horse does. I, I would, I would recommend that, that she have a behaviorist, get a 24 hour video sample to look at and, uh, um, see what, and, you know, what you could learn from that, because that's a pretty extreme and unusual um, form of being, uh, you know, just from not having enough exercise. Hmm. Um, our next question is from Luann in Nebraska. And Luann says that when her horse gets his grain and is eating it, he'll stick out one leg as he's eating and shake it. And I've seen horses do this. <laughs> they look like they're like, oh, you know, this is so good. Uh, right. What is that all about? Is that related to the pawing that we talked about earlier? Yeah, it, or it could be related to either the pawing or that it reminds me too of the question we had on grooming where the horse had to, you know, was... Uh, uh, doing things with its lips, like, ooh, that's really good. And, uh, again, it's related to having these infrequent, highly palatable meals. And um, so if that horse were to be just put on free-choice hay um, or grass, I doubt that you would see the behavior. And I wouldn't do anything about it or, or worry about it, try to stop it. Even if, you know, sometimes they shake and bang into the bucket or the feed can or whatever, um, I just try to arrange things to to make um, the least amount of damage to the horse or to the bucket and let them go ahead and do it. Okay. We have a question from our live 
audience, uh, Lisa in Connecticut wants to know, why does my gelding urinate in his hay? I want to know why they do this too. <laughs> <laughs> We've gross. had this question before in the horse magazine too. And uh, gosh, it seems like this, uh, the theme keeps coming up, but um, because um, horses are, when we give them these limited resources, um, they tend to, in the extreme case, you know, they're guarding it, they will mark it. And uh, so under natural conditions, they don't, you know, mark the grass that they eat when they're out in the pasture. But when we give them the hay in one little place, my interpretation of it is that they're marking it just like they would mark a limited water resource under natural conditions. And uh, that this is mine, I've been here, um, it's mine. So that would be my interpretation. Yeah, and after they pee on it, they can have it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they mark it with feces as well, and that's even usually more disturbing to people that every time they, you know, hang the hay rack, the horse backs into it and defecates on it. Mm. Our next question is from Marilyn in Portland, Oregon. And I love this question because my trainer's horse does this exact same thing. And I've always thought it was so bizarre. So Marilyn says that her horse loves to slide her rear end over a low muck bucket, like if she's in cross ties, um, and she'll raise a hind leg, insert the leg into the container, and then will seem to examine the size of the container with the leg and then take the leg out and switch the leg. And um, she's even had the horse do it, uh, stick its back legs into water. And she's in Portland. I'm in Bend, Oregon. Maybe her and my trainer's horse are related because this is the most (laughs) bizarre thing. And I know exactly what she's talking about because this is what Welsey does. Um, Sue, have you seen this? (laughs) I've not seen seen it live, but I, if I recall correctly, someone has sent me a, or a link to YouTube to show me this behavior, and I have no idea why they do that. Do you? What, no. what do you think they're doing? <laughs> she, the mayor, my trainer's mayor, she just looks like she's having a good time, like she's bored, and I don't know. It, it's bizarre. It. Hmm. Yeah, it's just like something to yeah. entertain herself, and it makes me really nervous because this is a really nice yeah. FEI horse, and I'm just waiting for her to get her legs stuck in that bucket in the wrong way, but I don't know. She seems to enjoy it. So, oh, well, Marilyn, sorry we don't have an answer for you. <laughs> I was really looking forward to hearing why they do this. Um, and if anyone else, well, I like Marilyn, I like Marilyn's, uh, action at the moment. She's, it looks like she's just trying to make it as safe as possible and not, not, uh, she doesn't have a a negative opinion about it yet. So that's, I think that's a good way to go at the moment. <laughs> so give them a safe bucket and one without the hard edges and the ropes that they right. can get their legs stuck in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so our next question is from Deb and Deb wants to know, she's in Michigan and she wants to know, why does my horse randomly start dancing around while I'm grooming him? Well, maybe my first guess would be that her horse isn't really comfortable being groomed. The other, the next thing I would say is that some horses seem, especially on the cross ties, seem to misunderstand, get a little confused. They start moving and, and, and they just get in the mode of moving whenever you're grooming them on the cross ties. I, I don't know. Have you ever seen that, Michelle? Mm-hmm. Their horse just yeah. starts moving this way and that way. And uh, um, as far as correcting it, um, that, that user responds well to positive reinforcement for standing still. So instead of focusing on the horse that is, that's moving and responding to that, um, just keep on grooming, and any time that the horse is standing still for two or three seconds, um, give it a treat and say good, and then the next time uh, wait longer, three or four or five seconds, and just stretch that out and, and so that you're teaching the horse that you want it to stand still. So 
Um, if she doesn't want it to do it, she can probably fix it, and uh, we may never know exactly how it got uh, started doing that. Uh, yeah, I was a therapeutic riding instructor um, for a long time, and it was really important for our horses to stand still during grooming because we had people who maybe had yeah. crutches or um, or were in wheelchairs, and sometimes it seemed like um, maybe we needed to modify how we were grooming the horse. Like there was something that the horse didn't enjoy about either the brush that was being used or the firmness that they were being mm -hmm. brushed with. Do you find horses are kind of picky about how they're groomed or? Yeah. And, and that reminds me of, a, of the horses that uh, particularly in the winter here in Pennsylvania, where it's really cold and dry and they seem to be um, uh, very sensitive to the static electricity that builds up with certain brushes. Um, so if you can switch to brushes that don't generate the natural fibers that don't generate so much static electricity, um, they can calm down, um, you know, not be anticipating those little shocks. Yeah, that's. I don't blame them for not liking that. Yeah. <laughs> that. Um, our next question, actually, we have two in a row that have to do with yawning, and we got a ton of questions about horses yawning. Um, this, the first one um, that I'm going to go ahead and read is from Beth in Missouri, and she says that without fail, every time I tack my horse up, he'll yawn multiple times before I bridle him. After our ride, when I remove the bridle, he'll start yawning again multiple times. She said he's generally a really happy guy, but she's always wondered what, if anything, this means. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and read the next question, too, which okay. is from Tricia in New Hampshire. And she says that I've heard that yawning is a sign of relaxation, but I have seen my horses yawn when they seem like they've been very nervous about doing something or, um, or they are afraid to do something. They'll start yawning and as an avoidance tactic. Um, so why, what does yawning do for the horse physically and emotionally? Yes, yawning is one of those behaviors that occurs under certain physiological states that, um, and, and multiple different states. Um, so, for example, when we're drowsy, we yawn, and, and when we're, re, you know, we're relaxed, we'll often yawn. Um, so it, it can be that. Also, in, when we're anxious, yawning is a sign of anxiety as well. So, um, uh, the question that referred to being nervous, um, that's absolutely right. Some horses, when they're nervous, they have multiple yawns. Also, yawning is a sign of abdominal discomfort. And so sometimes when horses are anxious and they have gastric ulcers, they get a pain in their belly. And so I'm not sure whether they're yawning because they're anxious and they're in that, that, uh, physiologic state or whether it's the, the abdominal discomfort. So um, it's, it's often hard to say why a horse is yawning unless you can actually um, have a good look at, at it at the time and, and know what's going on. But uh, these questions reflect a lot of thought by those owners and they're, they're, it sounds like they're on the right track for their particular horse and their situation. Yeah. So not all yawns are created equal. Equal. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, our next question is a little similar to one of the live questions that came in about the um, the mare and the yearling that weren't getting along. Um, but this is about mature horses, and it's from Lynette in New York. And she said her twelve year old Minnie was so lonely that he would cry looking for a mate. She said it broke our hearts, so we adopted the sweetest, most gentle Minnie mare, and he hates her. He bullies her. He tries to keep her away from the food, the water, the salt lick, and that she never fights back. Um, so she, they've divided the, the horses up during feeding times, and she said she wishes she could wave a magic wand and make it a happy union between these two minis. Um, why is he so mean to her? And after three years, there's no improvement. Will there be? Well, three years is a long time to ride it out, so I wouldn't that they're gonna they're gonna be good friends under those circumstances. Now again, I mentioned earlier, sometimes if you just give them a larger enclosure, they will 
be able to get far enough apart when they want to be. And I'd be really, um, I'd play around with where I place the food and, and have two water sources and that sort of thing. So these two might actually be able to make, get far enough apart when they need to be to sort of make their peace and to actually get some enjoyment when they, when they want to be near each other. And, uh, but, but three years, this, this pair is probably not gonna, gonna come to be great friends in all situations the way that we would like them to be. Um, this question reminds me of, of this, this issue that comes up from time to time about having a, a single horse. Now this horse obviously had signs that it was needing another horse, but, um, the question sometimes comes up with various jurisdictions around here, at least, where they're saying that, you know, they want to have some sort of ordinance that you must have enough land to have two horses. If you have one horse, you have to have two because a horse should never be alone. And I always say, yeah, yeah, some horses are happier with a, a mate, and most horses are, but um, not every mate is, is the best. <laughs> and I've known many horses that... You give them a buddy, and their life doesn't seem to be nearly as good as it was when they were alone. Um, and get my gift. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, we're the ones picking their friends. They don't necessarily get to yeah. pick their friends for themselves. Um, so, do you have a recommendation on the size of space that two horses need to live together safely? No, I mean, if they really get along, you know, they can they can be in a very small paddock and still do really well. And uh, but especially when putting horses together for the first time, uh, if I had two horses, I would like to have at least a half acre, and you know, more if you could, so that they can. Because distance is the the signal of submission in the horse. Mm-hmm. And if they can't get away or if they can get trapped, I mean, the, you know, we stand there saying, like, why do you keep kicking her? Um, it's because she can't get away is why he keeps kicking her. <laughs> and uh, so they just need to have enough distance, which it varies with the horses, but it's least, at least a couple football field lengths that they need to get away to say, I really, I say uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have uh, a two-year-old filly, and uh, I occasionally put her in with my 14-year-old gelding, and she acts like she wants to be the boss and then backs off really quickly. And he is kind of a low middleman. You know, he's not a big, tough guy, um, but with him, she completely backs off. Is When they're young, is it typical for them to back off when they're put together, um, even if they kind of want to be the boss? Like, do they test the waters a little bit and then go, okay, never mind? Yeah. That, that, I think that's, that's pretty typical, okay. as you described, yeah, for a we young sh- horse with an older horse. But not all, it's not always, but, but uh, more often than not. She's she's gonna be the boss in a few years. <laughs> she's gonna take over. <laughs> you can just tell she's one of those queen bee kind of horses. Um, we have a question from Kathy in Australia, and Kathy says that she has a four-year-old paint mare who's quite aggressive. She thinks nothing of lunging at me when I'm in my paddock catching her, and will bite. She tries to bite when. I'm girthing her. Um, she said that she girths carefully and slowly. Um, and she'll also bite when she's undoing the front of her rug or her blanket. Um, and she would also kick when doing the, um, when she's doing leg straps on her blankets. Um, she said sometimes the horse will come over for a scratch in the paddock and that's okay. But if she touches her in the wrong spot, the horse will bite at her. What's going on with Kathy and her horse? Well, this is a horse for sure that I would um, have a good chat with a trusted veterinarian and have them go over her um, from head to toe to see if there's some sort of discomfort. And um, gastric ulcers, um, horses with gastric ulcers often behave this way. Um, so I would, I would definitely get that checked out. With mares, another... Um, Anything with their urogenital tract, they will sometimes just have a short fuse uh, that, you know, similar to, to this mare and a little bit on the aggressive side. And uh, 
uh, it's not always, but before I got uh, thought about anything else, I would want to make sure that this mare has nothing physically irritating her um, that gives her that short fuse, particularly when the way she um, describes um, that if she touches her in the wrong place. Um, urogenital pain can be referred to other parts of the area, particularly in the flank area. So sometimes if, if a mare has, for example, vaginitis, um, if you touch her in the flank, um, she'll she'll kick out like that, and they're, they often don't like those leg straps on the blankets. Hmm. Um, Kathy in Colorado wants to know why her stallion dunks his hay in the water uh, when he's eating. Because he's smart. <laughs> it's so messy, though. I have my, my marathon does this. He dunks his hay, and it just makes swamp soup in his trough. Um, it is. It's a mess, but it's it's a you know natural forages are much higher in water content um, than our hays, and uh, so um, while we don't like it, we we understand it as a actually just a kind of interesting that so many horses learn how to do that. And I've seen horses that will walk clear across the stall to uh, put the hay in the water bucket before they eat it. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah, and I'm convinced he's taught the other two how to do it, too, because they never did until he was around. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he's smart. <laughs> um, well, I, it, this hour went by so fast. Um, we've run out of time. Um, and so I want to thank you, Dr. McDonald, for joining us and answering these questions. Great conversation. Really great questions from our readers, I thought. Um, I wish we could have gotten to more of them. I think we could go on and on. Um, but before we wrap up tonight, I just want to ask you, what, what do you want everyone to take away from tonight and, and what we've been discussing with horse behavior? Well, I, I guess um, two things. I think that um, I'm really impressed with everybody's observational skills and how interested they are in behavior. And uh, I'd, I'd just like to put a plug in for behaviors. There are more and more behaviors who are working with horses, and there's good information um, available these days. And I'd encourage the readers to to do all they can to educate themselves and to, um, you know, understand um, their, their horses from a, a good, solid scientific um, standpoint. And the second point would be that um, our horses can't tell us often. I mean, they just can't speak to us, and, and uh, we wish they could tell us what hurts and, and what's bothering. But so many of the, the problem behaviors... Um, really do have an underlying physical cause that, that can often be identified and addressed. And uh, not all uh, veterinarians um, are trained to be able to tell when it's a behavior problem or a physical problem. So if you can, you know, have a trusted veterinarian, even if they haven't been trained in this mode, they're, I think they're, they're very willing to... Um, you know, look into these things for you and uh, try to get to the bottom of it. And uh, so, um, and there's nothing more satisfying than to find a problem that your horse has to fix it and then, you know, the behavior change goes away. And can you tell us a little bit before we go um, what the difference would be between a behaviorist and a traditional horse trainer? Because I don't, I don't know that we've really discussed that this evening. Well, most behaviorists uh, would know how to train horses, but they don't actually, tr you know, do much training other than, you know, helping with specific problems, um, you know, overcoming unwanted behaviors or, or helping um, advise when a horse is having trouble with a particular training problem. And uh, most behaviorists are very tuned into the... the um, the possible medical and, and physical causes for behavior changes. So it's more of a, a clinical medical orientation than a, than a standard, um, you know, training uh, 
exercise, although they would, they would understand how to do those things. And if anyone's listening, uh, is in need of a behaviorist and wants to find one, is there a resource where you can track down those experts? Uh, yes. If you, the, uh, uh, there's two ways in North America, at least, that, uh, and pretty much in the world, that um, uh, people are uh, certified as qualified uh, equine behaviorists. So that's um, either through the Animal Behavior Society, and on their website, you can find a list of, of people and their contact information. And then um, you can also, and those are, those are folks who are trained as uh, PhD um, uh, animal behaviorists. And then veterinarians can become certified in, with a specialty in behavior. And if you go to their website, if you just uh, Google veterinary behaviorists, you can find a list of veterinarians, and um, that's a really uh, valuable association to have uh, because those folks are veterinarians and and are um, you know intimately tuned in to the underlying physical uh, and and uh, medical problems that horses can have that contribute to behavior changes. At the same time, that they're trained in in uh, clinical behavior. Okay. And anyone who's listening, if you're interested in more information about horse behavior, Dr. McDonald does a regular column with us uh, responding to reader questions. That's in the print magazine, The Horse. We also have a bunch of questions that she's answered on thehorse.com. If you look for her, uh, Dr. Sue McDonald, uh, and look her up and get on her bio page, all of the uh, questions that she has answered will show up uh, on that page. Really good stuff, interesting stuff. I, I love reading the stuff that you do, Dr. McDonald. It's really interesting. Um, if you have any other horse health questions, you can talk to your veterinarian or get on thehorse.com and do a search. We have thousands of resources on there for you. And I want to thank everyone for joining us. This was our last Ask the Vet Live of the year of 2013. We're going to start off in January talking about horse eyes. Um, that'll be the last Thursday of January. Dr. Amber LaBelle will be answering questions about horse vision and eye emergencies. So everyone, I hope you have a happy holidays and uh, join us next month.